Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Well, welcome to all of you here at Central Campus and also those of you who are joining us online, as well as those of you who are meeting at one of our other campuses in Airdrie, Bridgeland in South Calgary, and also in the Crowfoot Theaters in Northwest Calgary. Can we all give them a hearty high from us here at Central Campus? Uh, We're in a series we're calling Christianity 101, which focuses on the foundations of our faith. In other words, what it is we believe as Christians. And presently, we are examining what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit, and in particular, how the Holy Spirit guides us. Before we get into it, would you stand with me as we dedicate this time to the Lord in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we want to again just thank and praise you for being a God who is not distant and unknowable, but a God who wants to be our friend. And Lord, I pray that you would show us today um, what it means, Lord, to have an intimate relationship with you on a day-to-day basis. And Lord, toward that end, that you would soften our hearts Lord, you'd remove distractions, you'd help us to focus on what you want to say to us, that your spirit have liberty, Lord, to speak to us, and you'd give us the courage to do whatever it is you're calling us to. For we pray it in the precious name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. You know, a central theme of the Bible is that God didn't create us to only believe in Him. He didn't create us only to obey Him, as important as these are. No, He created us first and foremost to enjoy an intimate friendship with us. In John 15, verse 15, Jesus calls us His friends. Now, if you have friends and I trust you do, you know that friends communicate, at least occasionally. And really close friends, they communicate regularly. Well, it's no different in our relationship with our Lord. We communicate to the Lord primarily through praise and through talking to Him in what we call prayer. While the Lord speaks to His children in an assortment of ways, But first and foremost, he speaks to us through the scriptures. And secondly, through his gentle whispers. The Bible is filled with stories of God talking to his people and guiding their lives. In Genesis 12, God spoke to Abraham about leaving his native land and to go to a land that he would show him. When God rescued Israel from slavery in Egypt... He guided them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The writer of Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him 
and he will make your paths straight. In other words, he will guide you. He will direct your paths in the way that you should go. In Psalm 23, the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Notice it says he leads me. In the New Testament, in John 16, verse 13, we read this. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, referring to the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. All through the Scriptures, we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit offering to guide us, to lead us. And that is incredibly good news, folks, because we are not alone. Jesus came to communicate to us that we are not alone. And we are not left to our, on our own to sort out the major decisions of our life on our own. We are not left on our own to sort out which way we should go. He is with us and he offers to give us his counsel, his guidance, and his direction. When I was a young boy, my parents' marriage was in major turmoil. And consequently, I feared them breaking up and leaving me and my two younger sisters alone. I can still remember at times going to bed wondering if I was going to wake up the next day alone and abandoned. When I was 12 years of age, an evangelist came to our city. He held special meetings at the local high school, which was just a few blocks from where we lived. He spoke about Jesus being mighty God, who out of love for us made it possible through his death and resurrection for us to know God, to be saved from our sins, and to live forever with him in heaven. He also spoke about Jesus being our everlasting father. A father and a friend who would never leave us or forsake us. And as he spoke, in the midst of the turmoil and the insecurity I was facing as a young man, I found myself wanting to know this Jesus. And something was stirring inside of me. Something was drawing me to put my trust in Jesus. When the evangelist gave an invitation that evening, everything in me wanted to go forward, but for reasons I don't fully understand, perhaps it was just fear, uncertainty, I don't know. I resisted, and instead of going forward, I walked out and started walking home. And as I was walking, I was weeping. And I sensed a voice whispering, I love you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Trust me. Give me your life. With each step, that leading got stronger and stronger. Until I knew I had to go back to that gymnasium. And I literally ran back and gave my life to the Lord. Those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, if you think of the time that you committed your life to Christ, 
It was God the Holy Spirit who was speaking to you, convicting you of sin, and calling you to place your trust in Jesus. Jesus himself said in John chapter 6, verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. Well, that night in that high school gym, God the Holy Spirit led me to God the Son, drew me to his grace and to his forgiveness, to a friend who sticks closer than a brother and has been closer than a brother all these years to me. He drew me to a friend who will never leave me or forsake me. And after all these years, has never forsaken me. And that night, my entire life and the trajectory of my future was forever changed. It's the first time I can remember God speaking to me. When I was in the seventh grade, I had a friend who knew that I went to church. And every once in a while, he'd surprise me asking questions about God. And trust me, I didn't have very many answers, but I tried. One day as we were walking home from school together, out of nowhere, I got this prompting, a whisper, challenging me to ask him if he wanted to become a Christian. And I remember thinking, you know, this is not a good time for this. I mean, we're walking right next to a busy street. Not a good time. And I remember looking over him and thinking, you know, he doesn't look like he wants to become a Christian. And so, you know, I just thought, you know, I just, I'm just making this up in my mind. You know, I just dismissed it. But again, with each step I took, that whisper, that urgency grew. It grew with intensity until I knew I had to ask him about whether he wanted to become a Christian or not. And when I did, I was quite surprised because he stopped and he looked me in the eye and he says, you know, actually, I've been wanting to do that for some time. And right there, on the corner of 8th Street and 2nd Avenue, Gus prayed a very simple and short prayer, putting his trust in Jesus. Another leading. When I was around 14, at the end of harvest time, I was in a granary out on our farm. And I was pushing wheat into the corners to make room for the last few bushels that were on the grain truck. And as I was busy pushing wheat into one of the particular corners, I suddenly sensed a whisper again, urging me to move away from the wall that was right in front of me. And without thinking any more about it, I just immediately turned around and made my way toward the middle of the granary. And no sooner did I get there when the wall that I was right next to moments before broke out. Had I been in that spot, I would have been completely buried in the wheat and under the wall. Even as it was, the wheat pushed me under the wall right up to my neck. 
My body was trapped. My hands were pinned under the wall. The grain completely covered my head except for my eyes, my nose, and my mouth, which allowed me to breathe, but also let Dad know where I was so he could dig me out. I believe I'm still alive today because the Holy Spirit whispered a warning to me and also because I obeyed that leading. I am so grateful to God for this relationship that he offers to me and to you. I am so grateful to God for his gentle whispers and his promptings down through the years, not only in my life, but also in the life and ministry of our church. You know, while I appreciate all of the books and seminars on leadership and management theory and church growth theory and, and the like, I can honestly say that nothing has meant more to me, nothing has helped me more in my role as senior pastor of our church than hearing from God through the scriptures and through his gentle whispers. Over the past 30 years, our church has grown from a few hundred people to multiple thousands of people. And even though people would say, when you experience rapid growth like that, the problems you face are good problems. And I always find myself thinking, yeah, right. Because I can tell you that there were many times along the way those good problems were simply overwhelming. I still recall months after moving into our new worship center in what is now our West Campus. Our, atten our attendance spiked, and we didn't have enough parking to accommodate the cars of all the new people who were coming. And because we didn't have adequate parking, the city restricted us from putting seats in the balcony. And so for over a year, we literally had hundreds of people sitting on the floor in the balcony, week after week. We had planned to expand our parking, but it's a very, it was a very costly proposition, and we figured that we had five to seven years to kind of pull it off. And yet our church grew so rapidly that we needed all those parking spaces within a year. And we practically had no funds to make it happen. And so people attending our services were parking all over the neighborhood. And soon our neighbors were steaming mad regularly calling our, our, our church office to communicate their frustration, their anger. And it all came to a head one particular Sunday evening when moments before the service began, I was informed that one of our neighbors was at the front door wishing to speak to me. And so I went and met him, and he was some upset. And he proceeded to vent his anger at me using extremely colorful language for all to hear. I really wanted to invite him to come to the service, but he was literally vibrating, and I was afraid he was going to take a swing at me. Let's just say it didn't exactly <laughs> prepare my heart well to speak that evening. I recall going home that evening after the service with a very heavy heart because I realized that we had a very big problem in our hands and absolutely no idea of what to do. And so I called out to the Lord in prayer and I said, Lord, please help us. We don't know what to do. 
In fact, that was just one of the many so-called good challenges we were facing that we had no solutions for. All we could do was to go to God and ask for his guidance, his wisdom, his direction. And time and time again, he'd whisper his solution that no one had thought about, including the shuttle ministry. How many of you have been around long enough to remember the shuttle ministry? It's amazing. Most of you can't even remember it. It was a shuttle ministry where for years we had people park here on land that's now occupied by our central campus. And you were shuttled by a bus up to our west campus. That answer came to us through a gentle whisper from the Lord and served us well for, I think it was eight years. All that to say that our God is not silent. He's not distant. He's not impersonal. No, our God wants to speak to us. He wants to guide us. Many of you know that to be true because you have had had promptings and leadings. Many of you have cried to the Lord for wisdom and received insight for a situation that you know didn't come from you. Many of you have had those moments when you were tempted to do something unethical And then you heard a whisper that challenged you to do the right thing. Many of you remember the time that someone hurt you and you got your back up and you nursed bitterness in your heart. But then in your quiet time early one morning, you read words that said, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And those words leapt right off the page. And you knew that God was confronting you about your pride and your resentment. And that you needed to not only forgive that other person, but you needed to ask God to forgive you for your resentment and pride and to do your part to restore the relationship. This is the kind of friendship that the Lord wants to have with us. This is the kind of faith that he wants us to be part of. You see, this is what separates the Christian faith from every other religion. Our God is a personal God. A personal God who calls us his followers, friends. Amen? Amen. Now, in the time remaining, I want to address a question that I'm often asked about. People wonder, how can I hear God more? How can I be more sensitive to his voice? Well, here are some principles that we see taught in the scriptures and also illustrated in the scriptures. The first one is this, if, if, if we want to hear from God, we need to be in relationship with God. This is made possible by putting our faith and our trust in God's Son, Jesus Christ. John eight forty seven says, he who belongs to God hears 
what God says. You have to belong to God. You have to trust him, believe in him, but also believe him to hear him speak to you through the scriptures and in other ways. The Bible says we're all separated from God, but that God has made a way for us to be reconciled with God through his son, Jesus. Romans 6.23 explains it this way. It says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, spiritual separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. In John chapter 1, verse 12, we're told that we can become a child of God by embracing Christ by faith. It says this, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, to all who embraced his grace by faith, he gave the right to become children of God. And that verse says that when we embrace Christ by faith, we become a child of God, and as his child, we now hear from him. We're guided and we're led by him. We see this affirmed in Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 14, which says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are who? The children of God. So, when you become a child of God, you will be led by the Spirit of God. Perhaps you've been reading the Bible and you find it boring, or maybe it doesn't make any sense. Or maybe you've been listening to me talk about these whispers of God and you can't relate to that experience at all. My question is, have you put your faith, have you put your trust in Jesus? Have you opened up your life to him? Are you in a relationship with him? If there's something inside of you right now that's drawing you to Jesus, that is the spirit of God. God is reaching out to you and he's trying to get your attention. He's been pursuing you and trying to get your attention your entire life. Are you open to him? Are you prepared to reach out to him in faith? At the end of this service, I'm going to invite you to come up here and talk with one of our prayer partners or one of our pastors about putting your trust in Jesus and beginning this personal relationship with him. This is the first and the most important step in hearing God's voice. We need to be in relationship with God. Furthermore, if we want to hear God more, we need to spend time in the scriptures more. I touched on this last time, but it is so important we be reminded that the primary way that God speaks to us is through the scriptures. The more that we read and meditate and memorize the word of God, the more we will receive a personal word from the Lord through the scriptures, a rhema. And the more we hear God speak to us through the scriptures, the more we will recognize and therefore hear God's voice at other times in our life. And so I can't emphasize enough that hearing God needs to begin 
with the scriptures and continue primarily through the scriptures. We must not lose sight of that. Thirdly, if we want to hear God more, we need to believe that having an intimate conversational friendship with God is not only possible, but it's normal. Sometimes when I talk to people about, you know, a a leading I got from God, they look at me kind of weird and just say, does that happen to you often? Like, from their perspective, that's abnormal. We need to believe that it's normal. In John 10, Jesus explains the kind of relationship God wants to have with us through an analogy that, that the people of his day could understand. A shepherd's relationship with his sheep. Typically, in that day, the shepherds had a relatively small flock of sheep to take care of. And the shepherd knew his sheep. And the sheep knew their shepherd. And using that analogy, Jesus says this. The shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, as you know, sheep are relatively helpless against predators. But all they can do is run and they don't do that very well. And so the only way that they can really be safe and secure is to stay close to their shepherd and to follow him. And the point that Jesus is making through this analogy is that he desires for us to have a full life. He said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. He desires that for us. But in this life, Jesus also said, you will face trouble. In this life, you will also face hardships. In this life, you will face confusion and uncertainty. In this life, you will face attacks from predators, from the enemy. In this life, you will face lies that have the potential to mess with your mind and put you into bondage. In this life, you will face false teaching that has the potential of deceiving you. And you're going to need more than a casual relationship with Jesus. Our faith is going to have to consist of more than just believing in God, keeping the rules and being a good person. And I don't want to downplay that, but it has to be more than that. It's going to have to consist of more than honoring God in a worship service like this on a weekend and then living the rest of the week as if God doesn't exist. No, we're going to have to stay close to the Lord. Listen to his voice. And let him lead our lives. Jesus is saying here that those who are truly his followers, they they know his voice. 
They're intentionally walking and talking with him throughout the week. They're constantly aware that the Holy Spirit is in them, living out the, the life, the character of Christ through them. The Holy Spirit wants to interact with them, lead and guide them and empower them to live in victory. Now, you know, I know for some of, of us, all of this Holy Spirit stuff makes us nervous. We like studying, and we like discussing the truth and learning the truth because it's cerebral. It's, it's kind of safe. You know, you can stay in control and figure it all out while you're sitting there. But you see, things like listening to the Spirit and cultivating a friendship with the Spirit on a daily basis and stepping out when he prompts you to talk to a stranger or to do this or that, that sounds so weird and mystical and squishy and messy and unpredictable. And who knows? Embarrassing. And as a result, some Christians, unfortunately, put the Holy Spirit on the back burner of their lives. Francis Chan refers to the Holy Spirit as the forgotten God. We just kind of put him on the back burner. And I say unfortunately because rather than experiencing the faith adventure that God has for them, So many Christians' faith experience is all too often just safe, ritualistic, predictable, and I might add, boring and powerless. And that not only quenches the Spirit in their lives, but it grieves the Spirit because if you read the Bible, in particular the New Testament, this is not what Jesus had in mind for his followers. You know, other religions may have an impersonal deity that can't be known. Other religions may be defined by a set of doctrines to be learned and a list of rules to be followed, but not so the Christian faith. And yet the reality is, our Christian experience will be little different from those in other religions unless we believe that our God, to the core of our being, that our God is irrevocably personal and wants to be part of our lives on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Now, practically, that means that we need to be available to God in the same way that, God, that Jesus, during his time on earth, was always available to his heavenly father, was always connected. You know, the phone was never hung up. It was always open line. Unlike some people who get their quiet time with God sort of out of the way first thing in the morning and then go on with their real lives and sometimes just forget about God the rest of the day, Jesus was in constant communion with his father. Completely available to receive his father's assignments and direction. He lived in humble dependence 
on his father. He chose that. He was not in a hurry. You know, when we're in a hurry, we won't hear God. We can't hear God if our mind is crowded full with other things. If we're always rushing here and there, listening to the radio and television, we won't hear God when he calls because our circuits are busy. Now, of course, life can be full with just doing our job, caring for ourselves and for our families. And I'm not suggesting that, that we shouldn't fulfill our responsibilities. Jesus doesn't want to be in competition with your family. And Jesus doesn't want to be in competition with your work or with your leisure activities or anything else that you're doing. No, Jesus wants to be at the center of it all. In which we're consciously aware of his presence all through the day. And when we need wisdom or when we need direction or when we need strength or we need power, we're able to whisper our need to him because we know he is with us and that he will respond. May our first and greatest priority in life be to cultivate our friendship with the Lord. Fourthly, if we want to hear God more, then we need to ask for it. The psalmist asked the Lord, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. This verse calls us to have a teachable spirit and to be open to God's direction. Let's face it, as much as there's a side to us that wants guidance, there's another side that resists it. A number of years ago, before GPS became popular, uh, Gwen and I were, were trying to find a certain place in an unfamiliar part of a city that uh, we were visiting. And I was driving, and after some time, Gwen looked at me and said, do you have any idea where we are? I didn't have a clue, but I didn't let on. After a while, she said, why don't you just stop and ask someone where we are? But no, you know, I was convinced if we just kept driving long enough, sooner or later, something would look familiar and we would reach our destination. Two hours later, I asked for directions. You see, I have this natural tendency, let's put it this way, I have this natural resistance to guidance and direction. But if you're honest, so do you. We love to be in control. We love to chart out our own pathways. And some people have their plans all laid out for their lives. And they kind of like the way things are going right now. And they're not too keen on having God mess up their plans. They fear that if they get too close to God and listen for his direction, he might ask them to do something or he might ask them to give something or he might ask them to go somewhere that 
they just have no intention to do or to give or to go. And so they just keep driving. They just keep driving. And even if God tries to get their attention, like, hey, you're kind of heading east and you should be going west, they cover their spiritual ears. They say, I can't hear you. But friends, when we do this, we not only miss God's best for us, but sometimes we're paying a dear price for going our way. Sometimes we pay a dear price when we conclude that God does not have our best interests at heart and we refuse to seek his face and his direction for our lives. God loves us. Folks, we've got to have this conviction that we are serving a good God who has our best interests at heart. Romans 12 verse 2 says, His will for our lives is not only good and pleasing, but it says His will is perfect. He wants to help us stay on course, to be in the center of His perfect will for our lives, but we have to be listening. We have to be asking. The Apostle James says, you have not because you do not ask. So come to the Lord daily in a quiet place, removed from distractions. Open your Bible. And before you begin reading, ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? What do you want to say to me today, Lord? And then begin reading, believing that you're going to hear from him. At other times, ask him, what's the next step in developing my marriage or in developing our family? At other times, ask him, what's the next step you want me to take in reaching my unchurched friend? And when you ask those questions, wait around long enough for him to respond. Fifthly, if we want to hear God more, we need to have a humble heart. God does not guide the proud or those who want to run their own life or those who sit back and want to be served. In Numbers 12, verse 3, Moses is described as the most humble man on the face of the earth in that particular time. In verse 6, God says this to Miriam, Moses' sister, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles. The Lord tells Miriam that when it comes to hearing the voice of God, there is no one like Moses. He says, I speak to him face to face. In other words, he speaks to him as a man does to his closest friend because of his humility. You see, humility and the ability to hear God's voice go hand in hand. So what is humility? 
Well, the prophet Samuel gave an excellent definition of humility in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 17, when he rebuked King Saul. Samuel said to Saul, you were once small in your own eyes. You were once small in your own eyes. Now, being small in our own eyes doesn't mean we believe that we're worthless or that we have no good qualities or abilities. It means we are very aware of our weaknesses and our limitations and our human frailties and our inability to do the assignment that God gives to us apart from Jesus Christ. In the words of Paul in Philippians 4.13, the humble person is one who believes that they can accomplish all things that God asks them to do, but only through whom? Through Jesus Christ who gives them the strength and the ability to do it. That is humility. James 4.6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. And so make no mistake, those who have a humble servant heart, who are serving the Lord sacrificially, those who have the interests of others ahead of themselves, those who recognize their need of God, who recognize their need for his wisdom and his power and his direction, they are the ones who will hear God more. Sixthly, if you want to hear God more, then do what God calls you to do. Don't ask God for guidance unless you're prepared to act on it. A while back, I read a humorous little story which reminds me of the way we sometimes approach God. A duck comes into a store, waddles up to the counter and asks the clerk if he has any grapes. And the clerk says no. And the duck waddles back out of the store. Five minutes later, the duck waddles back into the store, asks exactly the same question. And the clerk rather sternly says, no. And the duck waddles back out of the store. Well, five minutes later, the same duck waddles back into the store and asks the same question. Got any grapes? Well, the clerk now is just a tad upset. And so he grabs the duck by the throat. And he says, listen, duck, I don't have any grapes, okay? You got that? If you come in here one more time asking that same question, I'm going to nail your webbed feet to the floor. Is that understood? The duck swallows hard, straightens out his bow tie, and says, whatever you say, duck, and waddles back out the store. Five minutes later, he walks back into the store. And he asks the clerk, do you have any nails? <laughs> the clerk says, no, I don't. Okay, then, says the duck, how about some grapes? <laughs> you know, that's how some of us approach God. We come to him asking for something over and over again, which is not a problem. 
But we come asking something over and over again, but we don't really want his answer. In fact, we really don't listen to his answer because our mind's already made up. You see, we're set on doing what we want to do. We want grapes. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know, while he was here on earth, Jesus chose not to exercise his divine privileges, but instead to live in humble dependence on his heavenly Father. Everything that Jesus taught, the miracles that he performed, his acts of service, was done in obedience to his heavenly Father. In Hebrews 10, verse 7, Jesus said, I have come to do your will, my God. And consequently, Jesus heard his Father's voice clearly and perfectly. Because pleasing God was Jesus' highest goal He could endure his friends betraying him. He could endure his people rejecting him and calling for his crucifixion without any bitterness in his heart. He loved his friends and he loved his people, but his first priority was to do the will of his heavenly Father, and therein was his peace and his joy. Success in Jesus' ministry wasn't determined by the size of crowd that was following him. It wasn't determined even by how many of his followers remained faithful. It wasn't determined by living the good life. No, success for Jesus was being faithful to his heavenly Father. His greatest reward and joy in life was hearing the voice of his Father and pleasing him. Friends, no one can keep us from fulfilling God's purposes for our lives. Do you know that? No gossip, slander, betrayal, tragedy, not even the devil himself can steal it. Think about Joseph and what he went through in his early 20s. Ending up in prison and everything else. God had a destiny for him. And despite what he faced, despite what others tried to do for him, he ultimately fulfilled that destiny. You see, I'm the only one who can walk away from God's very best for my life. And you're the only one who can walk away from God's very best for your life. But that will never happen as long as the highest and most cherished goal of your life and my life is the same as that of Jesus Christ. And that is to please your heavenly Father. And when God knows that the direction of our heart and life is to please him and to carry out the assignments that he gives us, he will speak to us. Count on it. On the other hand, the more we play it safe, the more we refuse to step out and risk following the Lord, the more we live for ourselves and the good life, 
and disregard the assignments that God gives to us, the less we will hear from him. And then finally, if we want to hear God more, we need to learn to wait on God. In Psalm 46.10, the Lord says, be still and know that I am God. In other words, trust him by being patient, by waiting to hear from him. When it comes to guidance, God has three answers. Yes, no, and wait. Wait is the most difficult of answers, but sometimes it is the most necessary in terms of what God wants to do in us. Abraham and Sarah heard very clearly from God that they were going to be blessed with a son. But it didn't happen according to their timeline, and over time, they got impatient. They took matters into their own hands, and as a result, there was heartbreak and division in their family. In Exodus 24, God invited Moses to meet with him on a mountain. And Moses had to wait six days before God spoke to him. You think about that. If I called a meeting with you, now let's reverse it. You called a meeting with me. I came to your office. And I sat in your office for an hour and you still hadn't arrived. And I sat there for two hours and you still hadn't arrived. And I sat there for a day. Well, I wouldn't sit there for a day. I'd be going, man, did I get this appointment messed up? Like, am I supposed to be here next month or am I supposed to be here next week? And it'd be the same with you. I'm sure that Moses must have thought, did I get something wrong, God? Am I on the wrong mountain? Many times we don't hear from God because we're simply impatient. God knows what he's doing. He knows things that we don't know. He sees things we don't see. He's, he's doing things behind the scenes that we know nothing about. And if we stop trusting him and we go our own way and we do our own thing, we can short circuit his best for us and often pay a dear price. He asks us to rest in him, to trust him, and to wait for his perfect timing. The psalmist says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. You know, the Bible is a record of common people who followed the leading of God. Jacob met an angel. Joseph had a dream. Samuel heard a voice. Paul saw a blinding light. John had a vision. God is wholly involved with us as human beings. He spoke to people then, and he has not changed. And folks, God is looking for willing hearts. Those who wholeheartedly decide to do the will of God. And he has no favorites. 
You do not have to be specially gifted, but you do have to love Jesus and be available to him. You do not have to be smart or clever, but you must be humble and willing to learn from him. You do not have to be talented, but you must be willing to do whatever he calls you to do. You do not have to possess much, but you must be prepared to give whatever he asks. I ask you, friend, have you been listening for his voice? Have you been hearing God through the scriptures and through his gentle whispers at other times? And have you been following him and carrying out his assignments? You know, friends, God has a priceless adventure of faith marked out for you and for me, an adventure that will transform you an adventure that will change lives around you, an adventure that will enrich your friendship with the Lord and with those who know you, an adventure that will make your faith anything but boring, predictable, and routine. But if you want to experience all that God has for you, then you need to give God all of you. May it be so to the glory of God and for the sake of a world that needs the Jesus that we know and love. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me for closing prayer? Before I pray, I'm just wondering if there are some here today who want to hear from God, but you realize that you're not in relationship with him. And you're feeling a stirring inside of you, drawing you to Jesus and to begin a relationship with him. If that's so, I just want to challenge you to not leave, but to open up your life to him. I'm going to ask that our prayer partners, our pastors, if you just make your way down here right now. And if you're feeling drawn to know Jesus, to to be a friend of Jesus. I'm going to ask that you would get up and make your way to the front of whatever campus you're at and approach one of the pastors, one of the prayer partners who would just love to pray with you and answer any questions you might have. Others of you perhaps prayed somewhere in your past to embrace Christ. But you'd have to acknowledge that God's voice has been rather silent because you've been living far from him. You've been giving your life to lesser things. If you sense the Lord's calling you back home, I want to challenge you to make your way up here as well and allow him to change your heart and the trajectory of your future. In the words of someone who came up last night, I want the rest of my life to count. I want to stop wasting my life. When you're close to Jesus and you're following his lead, I assure you, your life will count. If not in this world, 
when you get to glory, you will know the difference that you made because you followed Jesus and his leading in your life. So we're just going to wait for a few moments. The person next to you will make way for you to come. Just make your way down here right now while we wait. been pursuing you all of your life. He's calling out to you. Don't turn your back on him. Walk toward him. I want to encourage you. I challenge you. Make your way to him. pastors, other lay people here, if you would just come forward because there's some people here that are looking for someone that will pray with them. other small group leaders or whatever, just make your way up here. There's still some people here that need someone to pray with them. Just make your way up here, please. Help us out. Those of you seeking prayer, if you just come up a little bit closer so that people, so that our prayer partners can see you. 
All right, let me just say a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, again, I just want to praise you and thank you, Lord, for doing more than just creating us and then disappearing. I thank you, Lord, for being more than a a distant God that's unknowable. I thank you that you are a personal God who calls us friend. And I pray, Lord, for those who have come forward, oh God, that this would be the beginning of a life of adventure, Lord. That their life from this point on, Lord, will never be the same. That there will be a sense, Lord, that they're giving their life to that which really matters. And I pray, Lord, for others who are in this room and who are at other regionals and are out in the atrium and up at the chapel. And Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that if you've been stirring in their heart, Lord, that they won't leave, that they won't turn away again and continue trying to make it through life on their own that they will realize, Lord, that in you they have a friend who is closer than a brother, who loves them with an everlasting love, who will never leave them or forsake them. Oh, God, may they respond to your invitation of friendship. For we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his precious peace. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.